0: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void required prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk
1: Sheen. Recorded live. Hi, right, Jack 12, one, 12, one, two, one, two. The Jam Radio Network.
0: If there was an emergency and your family was separated, would everyone know where to meet? For more information on making an emergency plan, go to ready.gov. This
2: message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council.
3: This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
4: Psalm 119. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes, then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart, when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes, O forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man
5: came to mend your broken heart and give your heart a song. Rip it.
3: is Morty Inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1. Thank show. Sure. you at the top of the hour.
6: Shelley McDay, and today she brings you an inspiring message of faith and hope. I'm Peter Wallace. This is Day One.
0: Welcome to Day One, the weekly program that brings you outstanding preachers from America's mainline Protestant churches, sharing insight and inspiration from God's Word for your life.
6: to welcome the Rev. Shelley D. McDade, Interim Pastor of the Church of the Ascension in the city of New York. After earning her bachelor's degree in radio, television, and marketing at Ashland College in Ashland, Ohio, Shelley spent 24 years working in marketing and advertising throughout the United States and the Pacific. She earned her Master of Divinity in 2010 from the General Theological Seminary in New York, and shortly thereafter became Associate Rector at Ascension. Shelley, thanks for being with us. Thank
2: you for having me.
6: You've had an interesting career path. You worked for 24 years in the challenging marketing and advertising industry. And I understand you moved to New York City in 1996 to continue your career but found yourself getting more involved in an Episcopal church. How did that all unfold for you?
2: Well, actually, my involvement in church happened much earlier than New York City. Mm -hmm. But when I came into sort of the height of my secular career, was the time when God was, I think, calling me the strongest as well. And whenever I moved from city to city regarding my career, I would always go to a new church. But when I came to New York City, um, where I normally would have gone to a Methodist church, I just sort of stumbled onto this Episcopal church. It was right outside uh, the reservoir in in the park, which is so beautiful, and you just couldn't miss this fabulous church. So I decided to go in and, and see what worship was like there. And I just found it so comprehensive, and my experience was there, was so loving and giving. It was the Church of the Heavenly Rest, and I just I just felt myself growing and more and more and being pulled into something deeper that God wanted from me.
6: So how did you make the decision to go to seminary?
2: Well, the decision itself was not necessarily one that I expected. At the time, within my faith, I just knew that it was growing. I had no idea that it was going to end up in priesthood. No one is more shocked than me that that's, <laughs> that's what I am today. But at the time, I knew that I needed to know more about God. I knew that I needed to understand more about church as I was sitting in the pew. And so I would go back and ask questions. Um, a woman who has been in my life since junior high, I called her up and I said, Mrs. Quick. I need to know more about the church. Is there a book that you could tell me about that would help me understand church more? And with all the love and patience in the world, she said to me, of course, I know a great book. It's called the Bible. (laughs) So I immediately said, oh, no, what am I in for? So I really just began to study scripture. I wasn't thinking at all about going into seminary. But with each step, in learning more about Scripture, stepping deeper into um, such sacred text, I found myself wanting more and being called to more. And I knew that there was deeper study that needed to happen. And so I just thought, let me call up a seminary and see what they have to say. Let me see what classes are around. And with each phone call, they would ask me questions. And with each question they asked me, I had to think further and deeper. Mm -hmm. So it finally came to a point where I had to really recognize myself that something was about to happen, and I needed to just let go and see where God was going to take it.
6: So you graduated from seminary three years ago and now serve as interim pastor of a historic church in Greenwich Village. Introduce us to your parish.
2: Oh, my goodness. It's such an amazing parish. It's very eclectic. So if if you've ever been in New York or know what the village areas are mm-hmm. like, You could be sitting in a pew next to someone who works on Wall Street, and right next to them is going to be a person who may not even be working, or they may be in the arts, or they may be in some other industry. But coming from such different areas of life, sitting within our pews, and especially in a village area of the city, they're going to sit down and be New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. They're going to talk about art. They're going to talk about history. They're going to talk about all these amazing things about New York and God and the spirit within the city. So they're such a joy. They challenge me. They offer me such beauty. And in all honesty, I have never felt so much a part of a community as I have at this point in my life.
6: Mm-hmm. And what are some of the ways you and your congregation reach out to the community?
2: We try to look for different ways of reaching out. Uh, Clearly, we're in a part of the city that is um, uh, quite nice, Mm -hmm. you know, it's Fifth Avenue, it's right up from Washington Square Park, and there's a lot of people um, of good means around us. So we have to balance out what the needs are for the neighborhoods around us Mm -hmm. as well as the spiritual needs. So one of the ways that we reach out is we have a a food pantry called the Michael Defender Food Pantry in which we offer one to two days a week where we literally hand out food to those people who are on the fringe Mm -hmm. actually. They're not folks who are homeless um, but they're also folks who cannot necessarily pay all the bills in a month. So we literally hand them groceries and they line up across the street and we don't ask any questions and we just hand out the food. We also help some of the kids in the area with a tutoring program, Mm -hmm. and we do that um, every Monday during the school year. But this past year, because of Hurricane Sandy Mm -hmm. and some other issues that have been going on, we actually have been extending ourselves through other organizations, such as Habitat for Humanity, Episcopal Charities, um, and the relief and development and those areas where we can be part of a larger structure in helping Out, So we'll do collections and things like that as well, but mostly we take care of a village that is amongst many neighborhoods, and so sometimes the dynamics of that change.
6: Well, this week your sermon is based on the epistle lesson from Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. Would you read it for us?
2: Yes. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. You have heard no doubt of my earlier life in Judaism. I was violently persecuting the church of God and was trying to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who had set me apart before I was born, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son to me so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles, I did not confer with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were already apostles before me. But I went away at once into Arabia, and afterwards I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard it said, the one who formerly was prosecuting us, is now proclaiming the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me.
6: So Paul sketches his background and authority as a spiritual leader, but what was going on in the Galatian church that prompted Paul to write them?
2: Actually, Paul wrote that letter in anger. Hmm. There were other people who were also proclaiming Jesus, but part of the concern was that they were really pushing the uh, traditions of Judaism. What Paul was trying to do was to open it up and say, basically, you didn't have to become a Jew first before you became a follower of Christ. And so there were a lot of Judaizers, as they called them at that time, who were trying to make sure that the Christians were Jews and then so forth. And, by the way, the people who were um, Gentiles, also, we very excited about becoming Jews first. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't anything that was necessarily being forced on people. Um, it's just like today. We, we see different churches today, and we get very excited about them. So we feel like we need to make sure we pull into every one of those traditions in order to love God more fully. So there were people who were excited about going through the, the Jewish process, and then there were people who did not want to go through the Jewish process. And Paul was basically saying, you didn't have to. So he was very upset, actually, at the time that a church that he had helped to bring along into the faith was being pulled into another direction. Shelley, your sermon is
6: entitled, Love and Transformation. Thank you for being with us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. We believe ourselves, our lives, and our homelands to have certain rights when it comes to choosing how we are to live and what we are allowed to do with and within those lives. We often go to great lengths to argue or stand up for or against issues that may be keeping us from those appointed freedoms. We even appoint ourselves gatekeepers for those whom we feel are being kept from those rights. borders, relationships, and law become our battleground. The depth of passions and sometimes the depth of indifference to any current social, political, or religious topic are as various today as they have been throughout the history of civilization. We may even find ourselves on different sides of a debate at different points of our lives. Events and relationships will often offer a different perspective for us to consider as we encounter ourselves in each issue. Paul was considered a gatekeeper, or at least history has made him out to be one. I don't think he meant for it to be that way. In his letters, He evokes how much he wanted to tear down fences, not build them. I don't believe he meant to be an architect of the great divide. All he wanted was for people to open up and experience the great divine, to offer a path to God's love for all who wanted to receive it. Sometimes history and intention can get lost in translation and God's love is lost with it. What is needed is an understanding of love in transformation. Paul's letter to the Galatians has been used throughout the ages by both Christians and Jews alike to draw boundaries. It has even created division within the Christian faith itself. We like to demonstrate our depth of love for God and God's love for us by sometimes comparing our faith commitment and personal conversion experiences to Paul's. not our fault, really. The story of Paul's transformation in the book of Acts had already given dramatic license to establish new details and timelines of his maturity in faith. Men, horses, lights flashing and the divine voices heard calling out to the prosecutors, would be enough for anyone to fall to their knees in amazement. Listening to the words of Paul himself may be key to a better understanding of his complete journey and ours. Here hear Paul's own account of his life in and with Jesus is no less dramatic than the story in Acts so much more intimate. And the most beautiful part of his journey is that he wants to be heard. He says, for I want you to know, brothers and sisters. And then he goes on to share with us not the dramatic details of the event itself, but the steps he took after realizing God's call to him through his newfound belief in Jesus the Christ. What I love most about Paul at this time is his honesty in being human. He goes through a natural period of faith transformation that needs to separate itself in order to understand itself. He spent time alone with the Spirit. He spent a lot of time alone with the Spirit. He made sure he touched base with those who were more mature in the faith. But he also allowed his own mind and soul to be transformed by the deep and consistent work that only spiritual surrender and reconciliation can do. He was not perfect. He made mistakes and admits to them rightly. He was no less human than Jesus and certainly no more divine than Christ. He was guided into love by God's grace. Paul never actually refers to his transformation as conversion. In those days, conversion wasn't even a topic of conversation. Remaining a Jew, Paul believed the work he was being asked to do with the Gentiles was a fulfillment of his faith, a new understanding, a call to what God had set him apart to do. And once he understood his call, he was passionate about it. The kind of passion that only comes from a deep and organic belief in the love of God through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His work was clear. To proclaim to all the unlimited access we have to God through Jesus Christ. And to do this for the simple purpose of glorifying God. As Paul expresses to us, through his response of Jesus in his life, we glorify God through our love of one another. We honor God through our faith expression to one another. And we offer ourselves to God in our surrender of grace to one another. In my own faith journey, I have found Paul to be a realistic representative of coming to faith in Christ. Though I grew up believing in God, I spent a good number of years thrashing about, angry with different faith traditions, and believing my path for life was set. My engagement with God was cultural and social. It provided me an undercurrent of a faith foundation, but nothing more than that. Nightly prayers and associations with faith groups at least allowed me to keep a toe in the water. And thank God for that. For when I found myself at the crossroads of pain and the disillusionment of life, God's grace and the maturity of faith close at hand carried me into a well-needed wilderness and provided for me the spiritual nourishment and patience I needed to discover God's fulfillment for my life. My first journey on the road to Damascus came in my late 20s. After being heartbroken by miscarriage, I discovered that the realities of my marriage resembled the character of someone waking up from a 10-year coma, completely unaware of how life had played out in and around them while they were unconscious. My life was unrecognizable. It took time to recover and learn once again how to respond to life rather than react to it. As I said earlier, I was fortunate to have people in my life who had a maturity of faith. But more important, I was smart enough to reach out to them and allow my vulnerability of faith to be discovered, encouraged, and transformed. Boundaries needed to be pointed out. Fences needed to be mended. Some cases torn down. Laws needed to be reviewed, and my heart desperately needed to be rendered. From Damascus to priesthood was completely unexpected. It came purely from a consistency of listening closely to the Spirit and often fighting with the Spirit, as well as spending a lot of time in the wilderness. Like Paul, I have discovered that God does much more fulfilling of faith than he does of converting it. Everything from my past life is used practically every day, and I do mean everything. All the bumps, pain, bruises, potholes and fallen tree limbs, discovered and experienced along the way, have been put to good use in one way or another. As well as my gifts, Jesus really does mean it when he tells us, to God be all the glory. In his book, The Transforming Moment, author James Loder writes this with Paul's Damascus event in mind. There can be no doubt that the transforming event must be felt as one's own. Saul was addressed and authorized in his own right by this moment. He was addressed in terms of the particular struggle in his own soul. Transformation does not validate experience of Christ, but one cannot know Christ apart from transformation. What each of us is called to in our life of faith with Jesus Christ may not be as dramatic or historic as the books and theologies written about the Apostle Paul or as surprising as priesthood, but they are no less transformative. We learn directly from Paul that it takes time, honesty, and commitment to transform a life of faith. Boundaries and fences are to be reflected upon, possibly mended, possibly taken down, and possibly even left in place. Relationships are to be reconciled, possibly restored, possibly brought to closure. And hearts are to be opened. And the love of God is to be proclaimed. Let us pray. We have only to follow the thread of the hero path. Where we had thought to find an abomination, we shall find a God. Where we had thought to slay another, we shall slay ourselves. Where we had thought to travel outwards, we shall come to the center of our own existence. Where we had thought to be alone, we shall be with all the world. Amen.
0: Shelly McDade offers some final reflections on today's message with our host, Peter Wallace.
6: Shelly, this text from Galatians and your sermon on it give us fascinating insights into Paul's life and ministry. You said that history has made Paul out to be a gatekeeper, but you don't think he meant to be. Rather, he frequently expresses the desire in his letters to tear down barriers rather than build them. All he wanted was for people to open up and experience God's love. In this light, how might Paul serve as a model for our own
4: lives?
2: I actually find Paul to be a wonderful model. But the real Paul Mm. is the wonderful model, not the one we've made him out to be, which is the point I'm making in the sermon. You know, Paul went through such a process of the fulfillment in his faith. But when we hear it in the book of Acts and when we think about Paul, we think about it almost in today's terms where everything is, just immediate, right? Mm -hmm. With all of our technology and everything today, everything is so um, right in the moment. But Paul actually spent almost two decades before he actually was preaching. And so it wasn't like he had this one experiential event that occurred and then bam, he was this amazing saint that we have all made him out to be. He actually went through what we really do go through today, which is Something occurs where God is calling us, and you almost have to step back and think about it and feel it and experience it and ask questions about it so that you're able to understand it further. And that's exactly what Paul did. You know, he went away and he spent time in the Spirit. He spent a lot of time with God. But he knew enough to go back and sit down with Peter and James. He didn't necessarily agree with them. And that's one of my favorite things about him. He didn't necessarily agree with him, but he listened, and they listened to him. And then he went back again and thought about it and spent time again in the spirit before moving on.
6: Shelley, what's one thing from your sermon today that you hope our listeners will keep in mind this week?
2: I hope that they would keep in mind that we're all God's children, that even though we attend different denominations, even though we are at different places within our maturity of faith, that we are no less than anyone else. The second thing I would like for them to get out of it is to really understand the scripture that they're reading. You know, to go in and not just listen to the stories they've been told about Paul, but to go into the scripture and find out why Paul is saying something. What was the surroundings, you know, that were going on within the scripture? Why would he say it that particular way? Paul says a lot of things differently in different letters, Mm -hmm. but there's a reason for it. You know, there's very much a reason for why Paul is saying something within the context of the village that he's talking to, the people that he's talking to, the group in which, which he's talking to. And he's really wonderful about making sure that the journey that's in front of him, he's meeting them where they are so I think it's very important for us to meet each other where we are as well.
6: Shelley McDade, thank you for being with us.
0: Thank you. Day One is the voice of America's mainline Protestant churches. Visit us online at day1.org. Our program is recorded and edited by Donald Jones and produced by Peter Wallace. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sherry Miller wishing you all God's blessings on Day One and Forever.
6: It's been an honor for me to meet so many faithful Day One listeners in recent days. People often tell me how important it is to them to start their week listening to our Day One preachers. One person told me she loves to spread the word about Day One and encourage folks to tune in. I hope you, too, will tell your family and friends about Day One. Encourage them to tune into this station each week to hear a positive, passionate message of faith for today. And remember, only with your help can we continue to share the good news of God's love on the radio and online. So please send a donation to Day 1, 644 West Peachtree Street, Suite 300, Atlanta, Georgia 30308. That's 644 West Peachtree Street, Suite 300, Atlanta, Georgia 30308. Or give securely online at day1.org. We are grateful for your support. And please spread the word about day one.
1: You are listening to Morning Inspirations on JAM Radio 2.1. Now the nest is not so comfortable to lie in, and the little fledglings are forced to come forth into the air. Strange that the mother eagle should thus treat her young, force them out of their snug nest. Yet otherwise, they would remain weaklings. They would never develop strength in their wings. The mother eagle drives them from the nest, forces them to use their wings so that they may become full-fledged eagles able to combat the storm. Author John R. Gunn comments that this is a parable of life. How often by some misfortune we are stirred out of a place of ease and comfort and forced out upon a new and untried course. We shrink from the change, yet except for such changes, we would stiffen into habits that would dwarf and weaken us. God deals with us as the mother eagle with her young to bring us to a more mature, stronger, more useful life. This is another side of the parable. The fledglings, when rustled out of their nest, are not left to themselves. The mother eagle hovers near, ready to bear them on her wings the moment the storm becomes too much. Likewise, God never leaves us to ourselves, but ever hovers over us to take and to bear us to his arms when we are caught in the storm beyond our strength. Be still and know produced for the Presbyterian Church in the United States, closes with this passage from Deuteronomy. As an eagle that stirreth up her nest, that fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her pinions.
4: Television station required to accept church advertising.
6: On behalf of the Christian Law Association, that's attorney David Gibbs Jr., and this is the legal
4: alert. A pastor called the Christian Law Association office is quite upset that the commercial for his church was never aired when he gave it to a local TV station. The church was having a special right to life event on an upcoming Sunday and the pastor had contracted and paid a local television station to run his commercial a certain number of times that commercial was never shown the Christian law association informed the pastor that as a private publishing company the local station could set its own standards for what was acceptable for them to put out it is difficult to prove discrimination When the standard is subjective, the only recourse for this pastor was to get his money back from the station and choose a different one.
6: Instant answers to many of your legal questions. That's what you'll find when you go online to ChristianLaw.org. That's ChristianLaw.org. Or call us toll free at 888-252-1969.
7: times like these, strangers at your door should be treated cautiously, but unwelcome strangers in your home can be your worst nightmare. Home invasion is a form of armed robbery where criminals break into homes through unlocked or open doors and windows. They even trick people into opening their doors to confront victims face-to-face. They can be after money and valuables, threaten personal assault, or take members of the family captive. But you can be proactive against these disturbing attacks. Learn how to protect yourself against home invasions. Never open the door to strangers. Secure your home with high-security locks and quality door and window hardware. Consider a home security system and even a dog. It's also a good idea to devise an action plan for your family in case intruders ever do enter your home. To learn more about how to keep your home safe from intruders, visit ncpc.org. That's ncpc.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council.
3: This is Morning Inspirations with
8: Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
5: Thank you.
2: Dad, remember when you asked me, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, shh, I want to get paid. Well, right after that, you said, there's no job called getting paid.
0: Really?
4: I said that?
2: Yeah, and that's exactly what I knew. I wanted to go to college.
4: You never know which moments will be the ones they remember forever. So take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 1-877-4DAD-411 or
9: visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
5: My name is Dale Puszynski, I'm 19 years old, and this is how I live United. I've always been kind of a computer geek, and I found a way to use those skills to help the homeless in my community. For people facing hard times, computer skills and a basic resume are so important. It may seem like a small thing, but it makes a huge difference in people's lives. So with United Way, I created a program where I work with the homeless. Together, we go through their whole job history, write a resume, and then save it on the very own USB drive. We provide workbooks and training certificates. I even budgeted for cupcakes so we can celebrate as a class when one of our people gets a job. That's huge. When somebody says, hey man, that job that you helped me apply for, I got it. That's what Living United feels like to me. My name is Dale Pazinski. I help people achieve financial independence.
7: So I don't just wear a shirt. I live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. By United Way and the Ad Council.
3: This is Morning Inspiration with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
8: One, two, three, four.
5: <laughs> ever ever rock and rock and rock. <laughs> I've been lonely, I've been cheated, I've been Ooh. moved, I've been washed up, I've been I put down, and told I'm no good, but with Ooh. you I belong, cause you helped me be strong, it's a change in my life, you. since you came along. I've been cheated, I've been misunderstood, I've been washed up, I've been put down, and told I'm no good, but with you I belong, cause you help me be strong, it's a change in my life. washed up, I'll be put down, down.
10: want to live in rebellion to you anymore. I ask you to forgive me and tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price all the wrong things that I've committed against God and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead, from the death of the sea. You are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart and according to your word, at this moment, I believe,
11: I am saved, I am saved.
9: We ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the
5: gospel?
9: Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other message. Oh, come to Him, come to the Saviour tonight. Come to Him just as you are. Come to Him in your sin, come to Him in all your needs. And cast yourself upon His mercy and upon His infinite grace. cast Cast yourselves upon his and upon his infinite race and trust yourself wholly to him and you too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God and eternal abundant life through Jesus Christ our Lord for how will you escape if you neglect so great salvation for how will you escape
5: if you neglect to how they shall they
0: shall they shall for the things
2: you
5: have?
8: Your very life for oh, the
12: voices.
8: Gloria yeah. yeah.
3: Have a wonderful and blessed day.
8: Hey, Jack, one, two, one, two, one, two,
1: one, two. This is Jam Radio Network.